And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me once again in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. Hans Vogt, Associate Professor, Ulster County Community College. Pleasure to be here. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you here in the studio today. Before we open the mic, we were talking a little bit about this very interesting subject that has come up, and I realize that I am so uninformed on this particular subject, and uh, we've been doing some reading. And what is that subject, Hans? I'll let you introduce it. Well, it's the subject of immigration uh, and what a Christian uh, perspective on immigration uh, looks like. How are we to treat uh, immigrants in our society? What should the government uh, policies be in, re- in regards to immigration and, and trying to keep track of, of who is entering the country? Uh, and what is the role of uh, individuals and churches uh, in how we treat immigrants and work with uh, the strangers in our midst? Yeah, and Hans, uh, before our uh, opening the mics today, we were exchanging some emails, uh, various emails, and um, you had sent actually a collection of some Bible verses that deal with the treatment of aliens in our midst. And uh, by the way, these are not the same aliens that come from outer space, right. mind you. <laughs> right. Although um, we should treat them well, too, if they oh, okay. show up. <laughs> I always tease that, say that my son is married to an alien. <laughs> <laughs> and why do you say that, by the way? Because my son is married to a, a beautiful young gal who is from Canada. Ah, yes. And that's the son who is a missionary pilot. Right. Yes. Yeah. Now, um... As we begin here, let's open with one of these scripture verses, and who has one uh, they'd like to share with us? Well, in Exodus chapter 23, verse 9, uh, it says, Do not oppress an alien. You yourselves know how it feels to be aliens, because you were aliens in Egypt. Uh, Yes. So God's people, they knew what it was like to be, uh, in that case, in slavery, and... um, I'm sure that changed their perspective when a new person showed up, an an alien, quote-unquote. And uh, so God said, you remember how it feels, Mm -hmm. and uh, don't oppress them. Good point. Now, um, we live in America, so uh, our comments today may have a little bit of a slant towards America, because that's what we know, that's what we were brought up in. We've learned some of the history here in America, and some of the uh, policies that have gone forth. Uh, Hans, you were sharing earlier with us uh, about uh, the presidents, and um, you've done quite a bit of study regarding how the various presidents dealt with immigration throughout the years, I believe. That's right. Uh, When you look at uh, immigration in the past, uh, about 100 years ago, uh, at the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century, the U.S. experienced a peak of immigration similar to what it has experienced uh, in the last couple of decades. Um, And that's the time period that I particularly studied, uh, presidents like Theodore Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you had, just as you have today, on the one hand, um, those uh, who wanted to welcome the immigrants. You had, on the other hand, those who said, it's too many and we need to stop uh, the immigrants from coming or at least slow down those who are coming. Mm -hmm. Concerns about how fast immigrants were assimilating or whether they were assimilating. Did they set up some um, 
requirements for immigrants coming in, basic things that they had to meet as requirements? Yes. Up until 1891, actually, states were in charge of immigration. Hmm. It's not until 1891 that the Federal Bureau of Immigration was created and the federal inspection centers, uh, obviously Ellis Island and New York City, the most famous of those, began to be built. Um, and they had restrictions based on health. Um, if you had a, you know, a, a dangerous disease or anything that might prevent you from being able to support yourself, um, you, know, you had to be able to support yourself um, in terms of being able to have a job. Um, there were, unfortunately, also restrictions based on race, Mm. Uh, where uh, people from Asia were not allowed to come for quite a while, um, people from Africa not allowed to come. Uh, so some of the restrictions, unfortunately, were were not you know were based on, on things they should not have been based on. Mm-hmm. Because I was just going to ask you after you mentioned some of these requirements, were they reasonable requirements? And I, I my guess is some were and some weren't. Well, that's right. Um, certainly, it's reasonable, I think, for the government to say, if you're going to come here, you know, we want you to be a productive, uh, contributing member of society, mm-hmm. someone who's going to obey the laws and, and, and make a positive uh, contribution to the society. Um, but to exclude on the basis of race, um, you know, th- that I don't think it was uh, a reasonable requirement. Mm-hmm. What about the uh, concerns about health of uh importing, let's say, a disease or that sort of thing? Yeah, that's a a tricky one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One of the things people uh, don't often realize is that if you go to Ellis Island today, there's a museum there, and it's a wonderful museum, actually. Uh, But most of the buildings are not open to the public, and the buildings that aren't open to the public are the the hospital and dormitory buildings. And for the most part, if you came with uh, a disease... They didn't put you on the next boat back to Europe, um, but rather they treated you. And actually, the hospital in Ellis Island was one of the best in the country. Well, that's interesting. They tried to bring you back to good health, in other words. Okay. Well, we've got about another minute here before we have to take a short break. Let's look again at uh, another scripture verse, uh, just to always keep that in perspective as some of the boundary conditions as we think as Christian men and women about this whole subject of immigration. And Mark, you, uh, I think, have another one there for us. When you look at the scriptures on it, of course, it's to treat them. And if you look at Deuteronomy ten eighteen through 20, it says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. You are to love those who are aliens for yourselves or aliens is Hens had brought up earlier, but if you notice how he lumps them, he lumps them with the fatherless and the widow, mm. which means that these people are, are ones who probably are disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. Um, why are the aliens there to begin with? Well, probably many of the aliens back at that time were there because just as uh, Jacob suffered uh, want uh, and famine, and of course we have Elkanah and, and Naomi suffering want and going to Moab, you know, there were times when Israel had food and other countries didn't, and so they would come. And, of course, these people were in many ways uh, destitute and, uh, if you will, disenfranchised, uh, were powerless. Mm-hmm. And, and the Bible is saying here, you know, God's telling Israel, care for them. Mm. And it, I think, harkens back to uh, one of the initial points that one of you fellows made, and that is that we're made in the image of God. Right. Yeah. Well, we... 
We'll take a short break. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. And uh, stay with us now. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor, Ulster County Community College. Gentlemen, we're talking through the whole subject today of immigration. And we could probably meet uh, every Saturday for the next, uh, I don't know how many Saturdays, to discuss this because it's a huge subject. But uh, quickly, during the break, we touched upon a subject when the mic was off of uh, how do we maintain um, basically uh, allowing a freedom for a freedom of religion, uh, let's say in America, but still maintaining a Christian worldview because we know that our nation was, you know, founded upon these Christian principles, and I mean, how, do, how does that all work out? Uh, who would like to help us get started on that? Yeah, I think when we're talking about that kind of thing, if you look at, for example, going back to the scriptures again, looking at Israel. Now, we understand Israel was a theocracy. God had determined it to be so, but... One of the things you also know, not only did God tell Israel to to treat the aliens with respect and to treat them kindly, but it also said, for example, uh, in Exodus 20, when it talks about the Sabbath, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is for you. This is for your workers. This is for the sojourner in the in your nation. Well, that's a good point. You know, so here the aliens that come in have to also at least obey the laws on the outside, even though they may not, they, they may have been pagans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, in, in their own religion. They still had to do that. Now, this has, I think, application here in the United States. We are not a theocracy. However, when the nation was founded, there were certain principles that was understood. Some of them are, were political, and, and one was a Judeo-Christian worldview. Hmm. 
Now, what has happened with all of the different aliens that have come in, especially maybe some of the more recent ones, is we've had a preponderance of different, if you will, theologies that have come in, and consequently, worldviews because of that. Mm -hmm. And what has happened... Uh, is what we've got in, what was it, 1962, 1963, with uh, Madeleine Murray O'Hare and the removal of... Mm -hmm. We finally said there's a separation of church and state, and therefore all religions are equal. Well, that's not what our founding fathers had envisioned. They had always envisioned that we would consist of a a Judeo-Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. And I think that has been distorted. When you look at, again, the history of this, um, the assumption from the beginning uh, of our existence as a nation, you know, after independence, was that immigrants were welcome as long as they accepted our political ideals, you know, that obviously democracy mm -hmm. and, and so forth, mm -hmm. individual freedom, economic, our economic ideals, economic liberalism, capitalism. Um, and that they were, again, as Mark said, you know, willing to submit to the laws and uh, assimilate, learn English, and and blend in. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a lot of talk about this whole metaphor of a melting pot, and you hear people say, mm -hmm. "Well, it's a mosaic, or it's a stew, or it's a, a salad, and yeah. so forth." Um, but the idea of the melting pot was never that you completely lost your individual culture or. Um, traditions uh, or ethnic foods or any of that. But the idea was that um, each group that comes in contributes in the forging, and really that's what the melting pot is talking about. It's talking about a blast furnace. It's talking about making steel from iron ore, hmm. burning off the impurities, getting rid of what's um, of, not of value, and creating something that is stronger uh, as a result. Mm -hmm. um, and the assumption, yes, as, uh, historically was that part of that has to be that you're coming from this Judeo-Christian worldview. Mm. Mm. In one of your notes, uh, I think, Hans, you sent us a, uh, an email with some scripture verses. Um, there's a passage here you made mention of, and it is a wonderful passage. And uh, I think you said something like um, you were pointing to the idea of God's work and breaking down hostility. Uh, between ethnic groups, and um, in this portion of Scripture, Paul is in particular talking about between Jews and Gentiles, and I just wanted to read that today. It's a glorious passage of Scripture. Maybe, Mark, you have that there. Okay, Ephesians two eleven through 22. Therefore remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Hmm. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. 
For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Mm. That's a blessed uh, piece of Scripture uh, describing the work that God did. And um, those of us who are Gentiles, uh, you know, thank God for this, that uh, at once we were alienated, at once we had no hope, we were afar off, and yet... Uh, God brings us in. Praise God for that. And, and it also brings up the opportunity. One of the things is that there are many countries in this world today where missionaries are not welcome, and yet people from those countries are welcome here. Mm-hmm. And we have opportunity to reach out to those individuals with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. This also directs us, I suppose, we could make an application of what God did between these two groups of people mm-hmm. can now um, apply in principle to maybe the alien among us. And exactly. we look to God to provide healing between racial tension, let's say, mm-hmm. knowing that we're all made in the image of God. But I, I think the thing here that comes to my mind is that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that mm-hmm. really brings people together. Absolutely. And it's one of the things, you know, when I think we probably all agree here, our nation has taken a wrong turn at some point. And had it still been consciously Christian, Judeo-Christian in its worldview, especially in our public institutions, it would even be uh, stronger in terms of saying, okay, aliens, come here. You know, we, we're going to welcome you here. You can become citizens. But guess what? We honor Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as George Washington looked at our nation and the founding fathers looked at our nation and said, we only became a nation because of God's blessings, we would be there saying, you know, we're not going to kick you out if you don't believe and you don't become Christians, you know, and, but this is who we are, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, of course, the church still has that great opportunity. The church is, it can stand up and say, look, uh, God has blessed this nation we are blessed. We are the ones that are sending the most aid to nations that are hurting. We are the ones who have received bountiful blessings, but it's not because we're so good. It's not because our capitalism is so good. It's because we have a God who's blessed us, <laughs> and and uh, we want to share just who that God is uh, to you. As we look at uh, aliens coming in and uh, maybe people of different races I'm struck with a notion here, and that simply is this. Um, We don't really want a forced acceptance. What we want and need is that from the heart, we are changed from within. Mm -hmm. And as Christ would love the down and out, so we love the down and out and work towards assimilation of various people groups into society. And this is something, you know, historically... um, Sadly, um, this has been an area we've struggled in as a country, and, and certainly the United States has not been alone in struggling with this. Mm, but, mm. you know, as we previously mentioned, uh, unfortunately, racism has been a problem in the past. Yeah. Um, what began to change that, of course, was the World War II experience, 
where um, in many ways uh, Nazi Germany held a, a mirror up um, and said, you know, this is, what, this is where racism leads. And, uh, and, and many Americans recoiled from that and realized, oh, you know, this is not, that's not where we want to go. This, there Correct. is a problem here. Um, and there's a balancing act between, uh, on the one hand, we want to maintain um, our, our Judeo-Christian culture, and, and, and we should absolutely do that. We want to be welcoming. Um, and, you know, as we, as we reach out in and, and, and mission and in ministry uh, to aliens who come in our midst, um, if we're doing that in a, in a condescending way or in a way that indicates we think we're culturally superior or, or you know, superior on whatever grounds, you know, there's not a whole lot of chance that we're going to be successful in, in showing the, the love and, mm. and, and the gospel of, of mm. Christ. Now, bringing this down to a different arena here, and yet it, it, it would play into the national, um, how do we act uh, in church? Let's say God brings a new person to church, and they're different than us. Um, what's the right way to act towards people that God all of a sudden, as it were, places in our lap? <laughs> what are we to do? Obviously, we recognize them as created in God's image and, and welcome them if they're a believer in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We're excited and uh, welcome them as such. If they're not a believer in Jesus Christ, we also give them a great welcome mm-hmm. and uh, with eagerness share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm thinking also of a scripture, I think it's in James, where um, there was... Um, some imbalance, if you will, between how maybe a rich person was treated yeah. versus the poor. You know, somebody comes into the congregation all dressed up, nice suit, tie, whatever, uh, real slick looking, and another person comes in. Maybe they haven't taken a bath for a while and they look terrible. And uh, we say to this one person, oh, yeah, come right up here. And the ushers bring them up and the other person, oh, well, you sit in the back. You don't look mm-hmm. too good, you know. That really hits home because, you know, we in our churches we think, oh, we want to see the churches thrive, we want them to grow, da-da-da-da-da, and yet are we really looking at it the way yeah. Jesus Christ would look at it? Well, that's a good point. You know, in the uh, Matthew 25, when, when Jesus talks about the last judgment, uh, and he says, you know, um, you fed me uh, when I was hungry, you mm. gave me something to drink when I was thirsty, you know, mm. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Mm. And conversely, of course, to the others, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Yeah. Well, there's certainly a lot to think about here, and I see we're out of time already for this edition of A Plain Answer. Just a reminder to our listeners that uh, this broadcast, as well as others in A Plain Answer, are posted to our website. Go to RedeemerBroadcasting.org and uh, find under Programming, MP3 Samples. And those are free downloads. Uh, Have at it. There's all kinds of interesting uh, topics of discussion there. Today in the studio with me has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor, Ulster County Community College. Gentlemen, do you think we'll be talking about this subject next week? Because there's so much here. Uh, What's your pleasure? Sure. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll do that. (laughs) For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. 
Please join us again next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.